This is a Hoff Studios podcast. I'm very excited to be here. You have a really good mic voice. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> do you have a nose ring? I do. Even in your Instagram photos, I don't see a nose ring. It's so subtle. When did you get that nose ring? It's when very I was cool. 18. <laughs> I want to hear more. It has been a minute, and we have gone through phases. I had a hoop for a while. I had larger studs, whatever. And then I just even, I think there were a few moments Maybe once before my wedding, once before I had my older daughter, I was like, should I take it out? No. Should I take it out? And like, no. it's who I am. It's me through Wait. all these phases of life. And What do you mean it's who you are? Like the essence of Ariel, you know, 18-year-old Ariel going on a gap year to Israel <gasps> and getting her nose pierced. and In Israel. Um, I got it before I went to Israel, so I was here in the States, but I feel like that was, like, part of my identity. I got a dreadlock while I was in Israel. We went through a few different... Did you, like, study in Tzfat or something? <laughs> no, but I did spend some time there. I lived outside of Tel Aviv in Bat Yam and in Jerusalem and then in Stabokar, which is, like, the south, in, like, outside of Beersheba. Did you study in, like, yeshiva or did you, like... No, I mean, it, definitely not yeshiva, like, hardcore Jewish learning, but we were taking college classes. It was... Um, through Young Judea Year course, I did volunteering, um, and it was like my first time living away from home, away from my parents. I really miss Israel, and especially that that chapter of life. That was really fun. I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> oh, I'm still, I'm still on the nose ring. You mentioned ring. the nose I, ring, the and second then it turned I, into this whole no, because the second I graduated from um, high school, I went to Jewish day school. Okay, and was I grew up modern orthodox so the second like I was like let out of the cage I I started dating was it dating um I started dating this beautiful boy with piercings everywhere oh my gosh and he took me to get a no and I always wanted a nose piercing always and but I didn't get one because I I don't know. I thought, okay, I could hide a tongue piercing or it's sexy. Right, right. Like it's, you don't see it right away. Okay. Okay. I was in acting school. Okay. Okay. I get the tongue piercing. I realize it's a bad idea. Oh, no. I actually only, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't like a self-realization. It was like, I called my mom and she was like, I don't even know what the words were, but it was like squawking in my ear. And I was just like, oh, no, this is terrible. And I take my grubby NYU dorm hands. No, 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 no. Into my mouth. Oh, Daniela. Do you know where this is going? Does everyone know where this is going? This is going to the emergency room. Because my tongue blew up like this. And I somehow, oh, my God, how they graduated me. I really, I don't even, I actually didn't even graduate high school, if I'm being honest. And so I went to the Hebrew Academy of the Five Towns in Rockaway. Okay. And you need to take regents. Right, right. The regents exams. Okay. Okay. But I'm fluent in Hebrew. You need to take a Hebrew language, like second language to graduate. But I slept through that regent <gasps> exam. But they give you a, a private school Diploma, so somehow NYU was just like, sure, take her. This is how I get through life, my friends. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, I, I, I went to you know my voice and speech class, and they were like doing lip trills and then uh, tongue exercises with, tongue exercise. with my tongue ring. But this, okay, 
I'm just saying it was not. It didn't so that is work no out. longer a part of you. The tongue ring. It was a part of me for 24 hours. <laughs> okay. It was not a good part of me. No, no. But I love a piercing, and I also love a Jewish girl. <laughs> and it happened to so many of us. Happened. I know. It I, happened yeah. upon us. Uh, you know, like claiming her body. Totally, for sure. And yeah, this is me as an independent adult. I'm making my own decisions, um, and that that part of me has stayed has stayed through the years. Also because like the tattoo, <laughs> I love it so much. I think it's very pretty. Thank you. I want to see it in the pictures more often, please. I will have to find a picture with the hoop. I, I mean, yeah, it was a whole vibe. <laughs> Here for it. I I think it also has to do with the fact that like tattoos mm. are like such a no-no in yes. Judaism. Yeah. So like the second we're like out of our parents' homes, I it, and maybe not the second and maybe not for everyone but it's it's interesting that the two of us both went straight and to I get know piercings definitely a handful of other people who had the same experience and got pierced straight away <laughs> i know right because like there was a hippie so vibe also there was like a, a really crunchy hippie vibe once mm. people went to israel for that year oh yeah for sure so for context laura lucetti yes my muse who Dude. also had a tongue ring and a nose ring no! <laughs> Yeah, you don't realize Stop. how bad that lisp is until you take it out. A it's lisp, wild. like you get a horrible so- lisp. I don't know how you were going to be an actress. How are you supposed to be an actress? <laughs> You're not. Um, so anyway, great. It's out now. Oh, long time. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one who kept I it in, Ariel. You're so, so bad. Later, you know, I'm a cool mom. You're you a cool mom. I'm a fun mom. <laughs> I'm a fun mom. Um, okay, so for context, so like. I know that you went to Jewish school, right? I did. But it wasn't like religious, was it? Uh, more, I, I would say egalitarian, pluralistic, not hardcore yeshiva. Yeah. So not girls and guys were together and um, yeah. In in Morristown, New Jersey. In Morristown, New Jersey. You have a good memory. Yes. I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. And um, often people who go to Jewish school and maybe even not like Jewish kids will take a year after high school they take a year in Israel in between high school and college uh, to either like travel right or study Study, Torah yeah were you studying Torah I did uh, yeah whoa but also traveling and volunteering so it was a it, it was like a combination. Um, so we like moved around, you know, every three months or so. So the studying part in Jerusalem for three months, but then also volunteering and like living in a community. So that's when I was in stable care and Bat Yam. And it was cool because you got a taste of a lot of different things, I think, in the Jerusalem bubble. And like if you're studying Torah all day long, like that is one experience. But there's so much other stuff going on. Um, so it was cool. I got to have a taste of everything. The way I really fell in love with you is this past May okay. during like the conflict in Israel. Uh, it was basically mm. a war. It was a war. Yeah. And Instagram like really blew up in yeah. a way that like it scared me a lot. Like I, I remember there was one time I'm very close with my meditation teacher and she came over. She was, she's in uh a neighbor and she was like are you okay and i sobbed like boogers not sobbing tears of real fear yeah. like that was so scary and there you were putting together slides <laughs> and sent you didn't know me 
uh, and I was like, what can I do? Like, I have this following and they seem to, ca- they did care. Actually, looking back on the metrics, but looking back, people really did care what I had to say. They were like grappling with what this narrative of Israel was about. And I, I did you did you tell your followers like, hey, if you want to put out, you know, uh, educational content about Israel here. What did you say that that made me reach out to you? I wonder, like, what was it? Um, well, first, I can totally relate to the high emotions that you just described because it was very intense. That is so um, scary. I'm a very sensitive person, and even things happening halfway on the other side of the world affect me very deeply. Um, so I can totally feel that emotion right there. Um, I think I had a moment kind of like what you just said, where I have this platform, I have this community. Um, No one is necessarily following me for my geopolitical take on the world, but I I did feel a sense of responsibility to say something. Like I can't ignore it and pretend it isn't happening, but also to do it in a way that's like nuanced and shows the complexities and that it's not just so black and white. And um, I think it's easy to kind of go into that narrative of us versus them and compare it to, you know, situations in the United States. And it's like, it's its own thing. We can't really make that jump and that comparison so clearly. And it's not easy to show the nuance always, but I think sharing a diverse set of views and sharing other people's slides too, um, definitely giving other people credit, articles that made me pause and me think and reflect and helped me process through that. It was helpful for me, but I got tons of messages from other people that said it was really helpful for them too. Um, And I think that's the power also of social media and having an online community. Um, I think you and I are an example of that where we felt connected to each other even though we hadn't met yet. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, you know, what I felt like in that time was I did post quite a lot and it was it was very triggering and traumatizing for me, but I also felt like yeah. whatever I could do, there's, you know, 15,000 people who are willing to hear what I have to say on any given day. Maybe only maybe only 20 of them will will consider this. But but here I go. Um but I, I had to pause. Like there were some anti-Semitic like jabs at me here and there. Mm. And and then a sort of obsessive loop that I felt like I had to go into I had to go into these like anti-Zionist posts and stand up yeah. um, or answer the DM. And I I took a pause. And what was so um remarkable to me is that you kept working. And your work is on Instagram as a Jewish mommy blogger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very niche. <laughs> it's um, so special. Yeah. Thank you. It is full of such joy and warmth and pride and love. It is so beautiful that in the face of all that, you kept one foot in front of the other and kept posting your Jewish life? I will say that having a public account and having a public presence 
Um, and being Jewish, it, it has to be an intentional choice. I think a lot of people might choose not to share that part of their identity, which is fine. And when I began sharing more publicly on Instagram, which is my primary platform, but also on my blog and on other social media as well, I, I had to kind of just make that decision to be intentional about it and to use that influence, hopefully in a good way, like you're saying, to inspire people and to share joy and ignite Jewish pride. And um, I didn't see that a lot when I was, you know, pregnant and becoming a mom, when I was looking for examples of Jewish motherhood and parenting and Jewish lifestyle stuff, like I just wasn't seeing that represented. And I figured, okay, well, let me just start sharing what I'm doing. And um, it might be a very, you know, small group of people who care, but it's grown over the years. And actually, it's been really powerful to cultivate a community of people who actually now I'm like, okay, this does matter. This, You know, I am doing something that is valuable to other people to see themselves represented. Um, and also in the work that I do with partnering, um, you know, for brands and, and sponsored work. I mean, much more now than I think I've ever seen in mainstream media, there is Jewish representation in like national ad campaigns. And it's pretty wild, but we just, you know, ended Hanukkah last week. And um, I got to do some really cool projects with big kind of mainstream national brands who want to showcase religious diversity within like their larger, you know, marketing, which is really, really cool. It is so cool. I mean, we went to an event last week. You know, I I, ha- I quote unquote happen to be Jewish. I happen to be like very Jewish, but <laughs> but like I quote unquote happen to be Jewish. But to like look over and to see that like this woman, you are invited n- for your Jewishness. <laughs> Yeah. It is so important. Um, I I agree. And I sometimes have to pause and take a minute to say, wow, like how cool is that? Because I think, uh, I don't know, we've all gone through different phases. And I know you grew up modern Orthodox and had a, you know, very religious Jewish upbringing. And for many of us, we kind of, I don't know, later on as adults, maybe reject that and kind of put it to the side for a little bit, explore other things. And I think it was only, I mean, throughout my adult life, for sure, I've stayed connected to Judaism. But when I became a mom, kind of feeling the desire to give my kids, you know, a different kind of Jewish experience, but really a joyful one. Um, And the fact that I get to call this my job and do this for work, (laughs) like how surreal is that? My my background is in Jewish education, and I taught at a Jewish day school, have a master's in Jewish education from JTS, the Jewish Theological Seminary, and never did I think when I was doing my master's, like, okay, I'm going to be a Jewish mommy blogger and create but, Jewish content. Yeah, but, like, it's so cool. It's it's really interesting. Like, I I, I, um, I work for Jenny Moness. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Who's also an educator. Yeah, who's yeah. also an educator, and I think, like... You know, they the the BBC always <clears throat> said like that television was for like to educate, enlighten, and entertain. Mm. You know, and I think like social media is also educate, t- yeah. If maybe it's a di- in different like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, formulation, but but those are the points, right? Like that 
social media now has become the new sort of TV. Yes, for and sure. And people with education backgrounds are really thriving in mm-hmm. this space because you're really teaching not just Jewish people, but non-Jewish people yeah. about Jewish culture by way of teaching your own children. Totally. It's it's wild. It's like through the lens of motherhood, but able to reach, like you said, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, and yeah, educate about our holidays, our customs, history, and um, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> Would you uh, mind speaking to some of the nuances around Jewish motherhood, Jewish parenting. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, some of the feedback that we've gotten from the non-Jewish mom curious group is that on a Friday night to have that time to get together with your children and your family and like Mm -hmm. those subtle cultural nuances that really Mm. kind of do strengthen, right, the bond of the family. Yeah, definitely. I think Shabbat is a great example. Friday night, having this opportunity to really pause slow down, especially now. I mean, I suppose in the beginning of the pandemic, we all kind of had this pause and slow down. And now fast forward, life is going a mile a minute again and in-person events and keeping up with the kids' schedules and birthday parties. And it's a lot. And I think to be able to have this moment in time every single week, like a marker, not just that we have to wait until when winter break is going to come or whatever it is, but to just stop everything, spend time as a family, and you don't have to shut down for 24 hours if you don't want 25, to. 25, but that's 25 okay. hours, thank you. I mean, really. It's, it's true, yeah. So <laughs> observing that last hour. Will, exactly. That last hour feels like the longest hour. It does feel kind of long, like we're done. Um, but even just having a meal together and reflecting. My family, we do like Rose and Thorn, like thing you do at camp or in the icebreakers. I don't know what this is. Oh. What was your rose of the week, your high, and your thorn of the week, the low? Um, And even my three-year-old will, like, she knows what the rose and the thorn is. And um, it's not really specific to Shabbat, but that's what we do on Shabbat. And we'll, like, kind of take a second, reflect on the week. And it's nice for me, too, because, yeah, all week long, I'm go, go, go. (laughs) Like, let's get everybody ready out the door where they need to be, the after-school stuff. And um, it can be a lot. It can be overwhelming. And I think having Shabbat is so special, not only for the kids to have that experience, but also for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I we talk a lot about, you know, when to go back to work and mm, mm-hmm. or like breastfeed, you know, whatever it is. I think there's like, and we have a mutual friend, Neha. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who always anchors this back um, and, and reminds me that it's actually about you. What makes you happy as a mom? And yes. like, there are real biological needs of closeness for a mother. And a they vary percent. from person to person and iteration to iteration. But like, if you know that for 25 hours, you know, every week you get that quality time, it feels good. Absolutely. And I think there's something really powerful about ritual and at least in the Shabbat ritual, because we're talking about this right now, lighting candles mm. and like having a glass of wine. Like <laughs> who wouldn't want like a candlelit dinner with a glass of wine, get side of carbs with your challah. Like that's great. But the truth is having those rituals every week 
um, is kind of like what you mentioned with Neha, anchoring it back to what our needs are. Mm. I I think there are, you know, real teachable moments and opportunities, you know, to teach our kids, but it's also about us. And I think for me, lighting the candles every Friday, and I'm not Shomer Shabbat, like I don't keep oh. the 25 hours, but we'll do Friday night dinner. That is what we'll do every single week. But do we travel on Saturday? Yes. Do I use technology? Yes. Um, but I think those rituals on Friday night of saying a blessing over a glass of wine, lighting candles, and having challah with my family is really special. And um, it kind of anchors me throughout the week. And then I'm ready. I can like recharge a little bit before going back into the the craziness that is our lives. I think it's really nourishing also, especially given Elite this shared experience that we had in in May, that mm-hmm. the reminder of how much people hate Jews <laughs> or can, oh, the I reminder know. of that history and the fact that we're here. Yeah. You know, like I, I think about my grandmother who's a Holocaust survivor. Both my grandparents on my mother's side oh, wow. were Holocaust survivors. And like, wow, I mean the chances of my existence, my children, like the fact that I get to breathe air. I know. Is, <laughs> is so deep. And so like those moments where I actually don't light the Shabbat candles or do Shabbat dinner, much to my father's chagrin. My mom also, but she's <laughs> sort of like, fakes it that she's okay with it you know she's like when we go to florida i was just thinking maybe we could get the kosher stuff so we could all eat you know like slight like maybe you should slip it in yeah just slip it in like i'm just a little bit disappointed in you not a lot just a little i don't i don't celebrate in that way but i i my art is um is very infused by my jewish existence Totally. Just the fact that I fucking exist, you know, that I get to sing Yiddish music that somehow. I was watching a recording of you. Was it the Folksbina that you performed? The fact that you were singing in Yiddish. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Like the Mamalushin. Really, really cool. It really is so cool to be a channel for that. Yeah. It really is like that, you know, to be reminded of our own magical experience on this earth you know I was talking to a friend and it kind of she was asking me about Hanukkah which just ended last week and in a joking way I (laughs) gave her the spark notes version and I said you know the theme is that they tried to kill us we survived and now we eat wait but that's all that but that's every that's every that's Passover that's Purim like so it was a joke but I was like you know throughout Jewish history you know the persecution the I mean over and over we see this so it is magical and a miracle that we are still here that we're here that my my children are here and that they're that that the state of Israel is here like the actual story of Hanukkah you guys the actual story of Hanukkah is that the indigenous people to the land of Israel, not the, not the only, but the Hebrew people, were in the land of Israel. They survived persecution. They refused assimilation. Here we are. 
Mm-hmm. That meanwhile, the same, you know, anti we could call them anti-Zionist, but we could also call them anti-Semitic, uh, people will wish you a happy Hanukkah. And you know, it's like you it, 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 you yeah. can't have it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a it's not just Jewish history. It's yeah. history. Yeah. It's world for history. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, to hear that both of your grandmothers, paternal, maternal grandmothers were Holocaust survivors. Actually, my grandparents on my mother's side are okay. Holocaust survivors and my father's parents are Iranian wow. refugees. I mean, yes. I, it's same story, whether you were in Europe or, or in Iran. Iran. Yeah. Um, it is amazing. And I even think, you know, just my direct ancestors, like you're saying, and what they endured and had to go through. And if they could see me living today in Brooklyn, New York with my two kids and raising them, you know, in a Jewish household with pride and being public about it on Instagram, they would never imagine in a million years. Forget it. They could never imagine in a million years that like thousands of people would tune in to learn about Judaism. Many of them are not Jewish. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know the exact breakdown, but I might guess probably half and half. Like for sure a huge Jewish following, but tons of non-Jewish followers who are here to learn and kind of get a peek into a different lifestyle than what they they grew up with. And it's it's cool, honestly, to be able to share, like you said, with thousands of people. I mean, sometimes you forget when you're just kind of talking to your phone and you're just doing a little selfie story, but like thousands of people are watching this. Oh, which, yeah. Um, you know, you have a voice and it's like, how do you want to share that voice? What is it that you want to share? It's funny because I think about my film Oma, which is about mm-hmm. my grandmother. Mm. And it's on Amazon Prime. And I think like, you know, as much as like we can be honest about anti-Semitism, this, that, like a huge company wanted to showcase my grandmother's wow. story, you know, for their millions of viewers. So while we can be thoughtful about, you know, where we stand in the world, how how few Jews there are, yeah. I think there has to be some gratitude for the allies we have. Absolutely. I mean, or else we wouldn't be here. Uh, yes, yes. And I think in especially times with rising anti-Semitic incidents or when we saw the conflict in Israel and then a surge of anti-Semitism on social media. And it in moments where you do feel all of a sudden that this is scary, you used that word earlier, yeah. and I've felt that too, that is when I'm even more grateful for those non-Jewish allies mm-hmm. who are standing side by side with us and speaking on behalf of us and alongside with us. It's like we can't be the only ones um, to talk about some of these tough issues. We we do need those allies. I will say, though, that the scariness sometimes has more to do with my imagined reality sure. than someone being mean to me on the internet. You know, like there's something called like um, epigenetics and, you know, inherited trauma. yes. Um, and when big traumatic events happen, like the pandemic or 
like this conflict in Israel, it really, really hits a very raw, very real nerve in me. I'm really afraid of genocide, you know, like I'm really afraid. And I have to deal with that fear because is it possible? Sure. Is it happening? No. Right. Separating the reality of what's happening with this perceived fear or, you know, uh, but I've had Holocaust dreams like yeah. or nightmares. I don't know what to call them, <laughs> but I think the inherited trauma is real and different things will trigger it. Um, and yeah, how to process through that and deal with that. And not give it to our kids. Yeah. Oh. You know, right? Yeah. Like they don't need that. Maybe. They're so happy. Like. Ness walked into the Michaels store and immediately saw this like wreath looking thing that was a Mag and David. It was a star of David. And he was like, ah, <laughs> it was like 50% off also. So like, obviously we're all in on this. So he puts it on like a necklace. Oh, I saw like, the picture of that. He was so beaming with joy. Just loves who he is which is Jewish. Both of his parents are Jewish. We live a Jewish life. I, I don't keep kosher or Shabbat, I, but he loves Judaism. And that's a testament to you, though. Like, I clearly. I, <laughs> so. I guess, but I think I think we, I think we people love who they are mm -hmm. until the world tells you not to. Yes. Or until... Mm. No? Uh, I can say. Babies? I can say. Children? I can say. Coming from a, like a very Catholic, um, mm. very pointed, I immediately way sooner than you were describing teenagers like yeah. in a rebellious. That kicked in for me very, very young. So it. I think it was. It's mm. very much a credit to the mother for how they. You know, my mom slammed it down well, my throat, uh -huh. and that became very. So you must be approaching it in a way that they are excited about. Um, I'm not, I'm not crafty and I don't cook and I really honor, I bow to you really at, that, I mean, it's really br brilliant. She made a blueberry babka oh, that was, yes. babka that I, that is, which legit, is not safe for work apparently, which was like so sensual. It was very good. It was in a real, she got paid for it. And I was like, damn, a babka. But here's the thing. I can't bake those things, but I can sing. And I love singing in Hebrew and I love singing in Yiddish and Ladino. And I just like, I think the real, the, the important point, not the Jewish point, but the important point I think is that like, people wanna be around other people who are alive, like vibrant and enjoying. Yeah themselves and so like Ness I think enjoys me when I'm singing and what I sing is Jewish music right I don't really I don't even really I sing a little bit of English but like barely um and I and Judaism was definitely thrust upon me in a way that I did not feel comfortable with similar to you Laura I think but so I, I like tread very lightly that said, when he came home with that wreath around his neck, he wanted to put the wreath, the, <laughs> the wreath, which was of the Star of David, on our front door. And I didn't do it because I was afraid, because I was uncomfortable. I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, that's, 
that can't be right. But I don't want to pass that on to him, you know? For sure. He has so much joy and pride and it's hanging inside our home. Um, but I, you know, I, I wonder with you how you navigate your own healing. Yeah. Right? With like Holocaust dreams. <laughs> I like how we call it dreams. That's called a nightmare. That's a nightmare. Um, how you navigate your own healing in regards to this lineage when yeah. you're when you're sharing it with your children. I, yeah, I think it's so true. I don't want to project that onto my daughters. And there are moments, you had the wreath moment of like, do I put this on my door for uh, other people to see? Do I not? Let's keep it inside. Even just uh, choosing to attend events sometimes. We wanted to go to this like public menorah lighting, which was just open to the community. And I had to take a beat and think like, do I want to go here? Is this safe for me, for my kids? Like, yeah. are we putting targets on our back by doing like a public Jewish gathering in a public place? And could we, you know, be attracting danger, mm. the wrong attention? And by the way, spoiler alert, ultimately we did go. And thank God everybody was safe and it was fine. But like – I, you know, have felt the same way that I live in Brooklyn in 2021 and I'm scared to maybe take my kids to an event like this. And there were police and there were security, which that's the norm now. I mean, yeah, any synagogue, any event, any Jewish preschool, you're going to have armed security, Yeah, um, which maybe is sad, but that's just what the reality is. But I think we've seen way too many events that are very close to home taking place, you know, in Brooklyn, in Long Island, yeah. in Pittsburgh. And it's very real. It hits very close to home. It could have been my synagogue that had an active shooter or um, the Jewish day school that I went to that had an anti-Semitic cyber attack on their whole system. Like these things, you know, could have happened to me. How do the question of how not to pass that on? I mean, right? It's tough. Um, but you, I actually, I yeah. in your actions, mm. I I see, and I don't know, yeah. I don't know how you feel, but I see a really quiet courageousness in showing up, in showing up online, in showing up to the menorah lighting. I did not show up to those protests, those counter protests. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was really afraid. Um, and the fear of being afraid yeah. and the sadness of having children while I was so afraid, you For know, sure. but I, I do see, and I'm, and I'm inspired by your moving forward in a joyful, prideful Jewish way. Thank you. I don't know. I don't know what the internal experience is like. Yeah, I think I'm still figuring it out. But kind of what you said, showing up. And for me, it's it's got to be joyful. Um, I don't shy away from the tough stuff, but um, I don't want to only focus on negativity. There are plenty of accounts that do focus on anti-Semitism today, and I follow them and I learn from them. Oh my god, I, ha I had to like mute some of them. But it's really right, killing me. I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. it's a lot. To a lot feel, to take in. yeah, to especially I'm an empath and I feel that, and um, it can be very heavy and taxing. Sometimes you do need to mute that, 
like for I your still, own mental health. Yeah, like I still follow them and I appreciate it, but I, I have to be the one bringing myself to that page yeah. as opposed to it coming at me. Totally. Yeah. I think for me, the angle I'm taking is, um, you know, how to turn that, I, I don't think about it all the time as trauma, but like into something inspiring, educational, and sometimes that might look like a blueberry babka. Very sensual. A very sensual blueberry babka. But, <laughs> so um, good. And how we can find pockets of Jewish joy in our everyday lives. Yeah. Hmm. Danielle, I would like to take this opportunity to bring us back to Oma so oh, we can talk to that sure. for a little bit. Yeah. Um, two things. One is, can you speak to like the actual experience, if you're mm. comfortable, that inspired the, the film in the first place? Mm. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So I made the film Oma in, it must have been 2014. I had just started... Um, OA, which is eating disorder recovery for, you know, compulsive overeating, basically just like emotional eating, <laughs> like addictive behaviors with food. Mm-hmm. And in that unraveling process, I realized, oh, I am holding on to someone else's pain. And um, that pain was very closely linked to my grandmother oh. and my mother. You know, these were these were my muses at the time and and as a jewish woman i really took on so much of that my grandmother was a blonde-haired blue-eyed very very beautiful woman and that was always discussed and my my mother also is a really really beautiful lady and the the discussion around their beauty as if it was like some sort of oh how is that possible why Mm. there's a tremendous line in the movie i actually wrote it down i thought it was just so poignant um ethel oma your grandmother uh in the film says can you believe a jewish girl someone in passing said to her um can you believe a jewish girl could look so beautiful Mm. And I would love you to explain like that concept and how that can inform growing up as like a young Jewish girl, you know. You know, I I read that note. (laughs) I read that note last night and I I really did think it right as I was researching Ariel. And I thought, oh, my God, this this woman is so beautiful, (laughs) so beautiful and so Jewish. Like (laughs) and um I think there's there is something about, especially as an actress, and my grandmother would say that, by the way, this was a, a real quote from her. She would say that like the Nazis would comment on her looks, and I sort of intuited that something weird was happening. Being Jewish somehow is a less than experience, especially as a woman, right? There are all of these, there are all of these, um, executives and writers and in Hollywood and you know I think Natalie Portman has done a lot she's done a lot she's great but as an actress like to be Jewish and to look Jewish always means that you're pretty much a supporting character yeah that somehow I think it's, it's rare like we maybe what is it transparent or I don't know there's like a few shows where maybe they'll showcase like a lead but yeah, otherwise... Those those yeah. people were not Jewish. <laughs> like the actors. 
the actors. Well, there you go. We can write about Jews, but they can't. But they can't actually be played by people who look too Jewish. Cool. (laughs) It's a little bit different with with men, but for women, it is astounding. Mm. Um. Anyway, so I I made the film as a healing device for myself, Mm -hmm. and it really did heal. My body, actually, oh. I was like, it really did. I, I um, really helped with my, my recovery process. But um, what's cool is that art heals other people too. <laughs> that like it resonated and it resonates. Like it, we've won awards, not at Jewish festivals, at regular old festivals for. Think, I think the experience of watching someone grapple with their heritage, with their lineage, with we all come Which from is a universal, family. for sure. Yeah, we all come from some place and yeah. someone who came from someone else. Which is not unlike this podcast, right? It's ten minutes long. Okay, um, and it stars Lynn Cohen. Okay, she's a beautiful actress who you probably know as. Magda mm-hmm. on Sex in the City. Oh, yeah, sure. And she's beautiful. She just passed away. And, um, oh, my God. As Oma. Yeah, she's yeah. she does a beautiful, beautiful job. And I have a nose ring in the film. And, <laughs> and, a, and a half a shaved head. All right, um, shout out to the uh, nose ring. Did yeah. you shave the head for the film or was the head shaved before the film? I was wondering. It was shaved for the film. You know, I like while you were talking, Ariel, I was just thinking we're not the only minority who feels this in for sure in America. And we live in a nice place. Like I think about the Sikh community right after 9/11, right? Uh, people have a lot of rage in this time and it, it's going to go somewhere and usually it goes to these marginalized communities. Yeah, I agree with you. It's even interesting with the, you know, I, I'm going to watch this um, film, <laughs> but about your grandma and her appearance and the comment, um, the quote that you shared, like I even think about my two kids. I've got two daughters. One of them has golden blonde hair and blue eyes. I get comments all the time. Where did she get, you know? They're blue. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Commenting on her appearance. Yeah. Also because she's a girl. Like no no one talks about my son's appearance. Yeah. And then my, my other father. daughter has is like my mini me spitting image brunette. Um, but yeah, I think part of it, it's like the girl thing. And then also, right, like that, oh, she's Jewish. She's not the got doesn't have a stereotypical Jewish look and whatever. I've like brushed those off, but it, it it's when you said that the Nazis were commenting on their appearance, like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, everyone would comment on my grandmother's appearance. She was really very beautiful. Wow. <laughs> and I think there was a time when that was more acceptable and invited. Sure. She didn't seem to, she didn't seem to mind. I mean, no, she, I think in the past it was like one of the highest honors like you could compliment, bestow yes. upon a woman is that you're beautiful. What else really? I mean, that's a first thing. We say to a lot of kids, oh, you're so beautiful, mm-hmm. not you're so smart, not you're, you're great, so kind. Yeah. you're very funny, none of that. You yeah. are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how much of your identity, though, then becomes wrapped up in that 
one thing. Right. And not like who you are. Right. And she was a lot of things. Right. Uh, my grandmother, of course, including a, a survivor, um, a, a mother. But it really left such an impression on me that she would always put on this pink lipstick. Mm. One of the things that was cut from the film. Glamour. Yeah, the glamour. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't just glamour. It was the... She was owning her body. Mm -hmm. She, in the same way that we talked about our nose rings or, you know, piercings. She was delighting in her existence. You know, there was like um, a part of the film that we actually cut where this old woman, she's, she was in her 80s when we shot it, wow. was getting ready in, and we saw her like, we saw her put on her bra and she whispered to me, Lynn, and she was like, I don't have one breast. I, I, you know, just wanted to let you know. I was like, I think you're so beautiful. Wow. And uh, she was putting on her bra and she was putting on um, makeup and perfume. And there she was in the nursing home, like seeing nobody. <laughs> except for like everybody but she she needed it was to, for her it was for her yeah yeah and that was my grandmother wow i have to say also that i just i love the the photos of you the fact that you delight in your own image it makes me so happy like i i posted a photo of you, you um before this interview about how i was just so excited and you look so beautiful it's really it's nice i think i think yeah. you know social media can be a sort of narcissistic land but um, but it doesn't feel that way. And it's like photo after photo of you and I'm into it. <laughs> I think you for it. saying that. I have had to work on that of showing myself in pictures that my children aren't in right. for a long time. It's like if I wasn't holding a baby. Or a challah. Or a challah. Or a challah baby. Or with like a toddler next to me or whatever. Like I wouldn't show pictures of myself. A lot of the pictures – this is a while back, but we're only of my kids for a while. And yeah. I realized, like, should probably, like, hop in some of these. So that has also been a journey. So thank you for saying that. Um, I love it. I think it's, it is also important to, yeah, hopefully. I mean, we all have insecurities, but also find things that you are proud of and love about yourself. More recently, I have really – taken my creativity seriously mm. like seriously for me but also like if it doesn't come out it gets lodged and I get uncomfortable I get physically spiritually uncomfortable and you this, gotta let it out you gotta let it out so I, I think like self-care looks different for everyone and I think for a long time I like thought Oh, a manicure or right. a massage. And I like those things. But you know what was really interesting last night before I came to this um, um, round of interviews, I thought, oh, I'll get a I'll get a massage. That's what I need. And you know what was the most self-care I could give myself was diving into these women. Mm. Preparing for work actually was the most loving thing, soothing relaxing thing I could do for myself and I think like in a world where we do get a lot of our education from social media 
from people who are not educators, you know, like, Ariel, you actually have like a degree <laughs> in what you're disseminating, but like, like teaching about, but we could hear these influencers talk about how green juice is the thing right. that's going to get you feeling better. And if I've learned anything, particularly like from my mothering experience, it's that everyone really is so different. For sure. And the, the, the neurodiversity that we have, the ethnic diversity that we have, the individual, I mean, the, I mean, if we're going to get Jewish, I mean, whoa, the God spark that's in every single person is so unique. It really is. So to like blanket it with like yoga. <laughs> Yoga's yeah. good. And that will work for some people. So it's interesting. I'm glad that you brought up the work thing because if we're setting resolutions, it's almost the new year. I need to do have a practice of, you know, meditation every day, whatever. Not always going to get there. But I think... I am grateful that through my work, I do find fulfillment for myself and through being creative, whether it's through recipes or crafting or even just the photography and um, creating this content in a way, you know, that hopefully will speak to other people that also serves me. And I love what you said about the spark in every person and B'Tselem Elohim, the idea that all of us are created in God's image, whether or not you believe in God, but that all of us have this like holiness and like this magic spark within us and it's going to look different for different people and yoga and green juice are great for some people <laughs> massages and manicures don't get me wrong, I, I would love to get a manicure right now that would be great um but yeah for me I guess it is finding you know the joy and self-fulfillment whether it is in my work or in my role as a mom um that makes me happy too and it's not just like the monotony and holding it inside kind of like what you're saying until it's going to burst and my body is just like ready to let loose. Yeah. Where do we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Ariel, A-R-I-E-L dot loves, L-O-V-E-S, and at Jewish Family Magic, all one word. Um, and yeah, Daniela uh, <laughs> on, on, in real life. <laughs> yes, in real life. Should we be friends? Heck yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Should we like yes. do Shabbat dinner together? Yes. Because I don't do it yes. enough. And we'll every time it. I do, it's, it's very good. We'll, we'll make it low key. I think a lot of people kind of like, you know, have these high expectations. It's got to be this whole big it's meal. Very and you low, know what? Very low expectations. Low key. Low expectations. Like a rotisserie chicken. Rotisserie chicken. Okay. Store-bought challah. We don't have to bake it. Very important to just buy that challah. Yeah. Unless you want to make us a challah. We'll I don't see. want to do I, that. I don't need to impose that on you. I'll buy the challah. And we'll light a candle oh or two. Oh my God, this is so We'll exciting. drink some wine together. Oh my God. Thanks for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. I've been your host, Daniela Rabani. Special thanks to executive producer, Laura Lucchetti. For more episodes, make sure to follow Mom Curious, available on all podcast platforms. Thanks.